0: Welcome in to the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh. I am here with a very, very special episode. So for years, Important Nonsense was a fantasy football podcast only. That changed in 2020 when two brilliant individuals asked the question, can we talk about gambling? And with that, the Important Nonsense betting team was... Born And it gives me great pleasure to introduce the money maker, the odds book shaker, the betting team lead, Vishal Gupta. Welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Thanks for having me, Jack. How are you doing?
0: Oh, I am just fantastic. And I am just so excited to finally get to talk to you about all of... I- I'm ready to learn. I'm excited to learn.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm part of the betting team, like you said. Um, in the offseason, I'm writing about some season-long bets like team over-unders, player props, MVP and rookie of the year uh, winners. And then during the season, I write a weekly article looking at the individual player props for the week, and I compare them to the fantasy rankings to kind of get an idea of who who in the fantasy community are we overrating this week and who are we underrating, and that will give us a good idea of who's going to perform well and who's not going to perform very well that week.
0: I can confirm that. It is a fantastic article. All of the series that you put out are just great knowledge, so be sure to check that out over on importantnonsense.com. It's not just Vishal. He might be the betting boss. He's got a partner in crime that brings the sizzle to his stake, the betting Robin to Vishal's betting Batman, the manic mouth from the Midwest, Mason Cameron. Mason, I am so thrilled to have you on the show. (laughs)
2: <laughs> wow jack what an introduction i must be special or something i i hadn't heard <laughs> <laughs> um i'm a, uh, am mason like jack said i uh i'm at football underscore mace on the tweeter you can hit me up check me out yell at me there um i work here with vishal with the betting team you know we break down the best picks and projections from around the league all all the time um Every single week, we scour the market, trying to find you the best prop bets. Vishal already touched on uh, how he works with the prop bets, and I take out some weekly picks. I wrap them up in a bow, and I give them to all the good people at home.
0: And You also do a fantastic job. And like you said, it is a special episode, a special introduction. You guys are just very, very special people, and I'm excited to be working with you. But enough about us. It's time to get down to the nitty-gritty of the world of wagers. So since you two are part of the betting team, what's your number one tip that the general public, like myself, really doesn't realize about betting on football or sports betting in general? What's an average Joe kind of losing out on? What are we missing out on making those sweet, sweet dollars?
1: Yeah, well the one thing that you do, you know, the average public is missing out on is they think parling their picks is the way to go. I think everybody has seen on social media over the last few months. These crazy parlays that are hitting where you're putting together 10, 12 different picks that are all like plus 1,000 or more. And these guys are turning 100 bucks into 100,000 bucks. So everybody thinks, you know, that's the way to do it. If I want to make money, I should just parlay all my picks. No, that is not the way to do it. You will not be making money in the long term because when you parlay your picks, your payout might increase, but your odds are going to go down disproportionately. You need every item on that parlay list to hit in order to cash out. And that's just not going to happen very often. For every single one of those huge parlays you see on social media, there's a 100 or a 1,000 that you don't see that just went up in flames. They might have got all of them except for one, and just that very last one didn't hit, and you get zero money out of it. So don't parlay your picks. you got to go individual bets. That's what the average Joe is definitely missing out right now.
0: So you're saying that, like in real life, the get-rich-quick schemes aren't the way
2: to go? They're right, I'm trying to get a boat. I'm trying to get a boat, Vishal. You're telling me that's not uh, going to happen? Come on, you're man. you not going to be
1: that guy who's going to hit the boat. It's going to be some <laughs> random guy who's up at 3 a.m. putting together some random parlay. It's not going to be you who spends hours thinking about every single pick meticulously.
2: Sweat glistening from his forehead as Yo. he types numbers into his spreadsheet. I agree. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, he's got there. Mine is on a similar note in just like be smarter, but a lot of the times we as players in the general public, we always like fall in love with a team or a player and we'll just bet them no matter what. And it's just, you know, it's like habit, uh, you know, think, uh, Mahomes versus uh, the jets 14 point favorite. Everybody's taking Mahomes, even though everything in your mind tells you that that's dumb. So, my biggest um, tip to the general public is just bet the value. Don't get pulled into these traps. Vegas is smart. They usually set a fairly accurate line, and they play into people, um, you know, falling for that trap. So definitely just look for the value. Keep the, the hot names at arm's reach, and you'll do just fine. Wow, so that's very,
0: very interesting. So don't try to get rich quick. And Vegas is smart. The multi-million, billion-dollar industry is smart. Wow. It, exactly. It, 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 it's so true. Like, we overthink these things. It doesn't have to be complicated. And it can just be fun. And so, when it comes to that, you guys kind of jacks of all trades, that you do it all, What is what brings you joy in the betting world? What is your favorite type of wagers to place, Mason?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I love props because I, I- – I'm so heavily involved with them on a weekly basis, and I think that it's awesome with what we do here at IN because fantasy is so big in all of our lives, and betting is kind of new to a lot of different people, and it's a really good way to like introduce some of your friends or family that are unfamiliar with sports betting but might be familiar with fantasy because it's super similar, really tied in. So that's kind of why I like that aspect of props and why it's my favorite. What about you, Michelle?
1: Um, yeah, I'm going to go pretty basic on this one. I'm just going to take, I like spread bets. You know, for me, it's just a great test of your knowledge of the sport that you're betting on. If you're hitting consistently on these spread bets, then you can, you know, it's a pretty good bet that you have a good understanding of both teams. You know what's going on. And it's just a great, great test of your knowledge. So if you can consistently hit, you know, above 50% on your spread bets, then then, you know, you're going to feel pretty good about yourself. So that's what I like to do.
0: That's why the important nonsense betting team is so good. You have such varying takes and such varying ways that you make these decisions. So you can't beat the advice that you're getting from the importantnonsense.com betting team. And with that, what's kind of the easiest way to make some money? Is it, you, I know you both like making money, but is it the easiest way to make money with
2: spreads or with props? Or is it something else? How do we grow that stack? Oof. If you guys got some secret sauce to winning all the time, I mean, that I don't know about, I'd, I'd love to hear it too.
0: That's what I'm coming to you guys for. You're the expert, <laughs> I'm just a humble servant here.
2: Well, I do love, um, I do think props are a really good way to kind of isolate those variables, those matchups. Um, you can really highlight your breakout players, just like we said with fantasy, it ties really closely in. So say you're, you've really got the beat on somebody that's going to blow up this week. Well, go check out their props. see what they're at. They might be undervalued. You might- Put some money in your pocket.
0: Vishal, do you have Do you have the secret sauce that Mason is looking for? <laughs> well, I, I have a little something.
1: It's not going to make you a lot of money, but it should make you, you know, should put a couple bucks in your pocket. I like money line favorites. Again, don't parlay these favorites, uh, but if you take them individually, over the long run, you should be making money, you know, even if you're going, you know, Chiefs against the Lions, Chiefs are minus 500. It's not going to be a big return, but you know you feel pretty good that you're going to make some money off of that one, even if it's a few bucks here and there. So if you just you know do a few of them every week, and again, do not parlay them because that's where you're going to lose money. But if you hit them individually, you will make money over the long run. It just won't be that much.
0: Well, and the nice thing he, for here in Ontario, and it, it it varies from state to state, from country to country, but here in Ontario, we just opened single-game betting, which Ooh. is going to be fantastic for you, because before, we had to do the parlays, and it, it could get messy. Now we can do the single-game bets, like Vishal
2: said, and hopefully make
0: some money coming up this year.
2: Oh. Absolutely. Definitely, yeah. Absolutely. Congratulations for joining the civilized world. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah that's a tough a rule bit that's a
1: tough rule not having not being able to bet on individual games that's that's uh tough heartbreaking
0: it's a it's a very exciting time change is good but on the opposite end change can be bad and some of the bets we make can be bad and i know vishal you've already said parlays you, we stay away from those in general but are there any other kind of bets that are just deemed too risky to put your money on
1: Oof. yeah for me you know over unders are kind of you know, bet types that I stay away from, it's just so random and it's hard to predict. You have to account for injuries, turnovers, penalties, defensive and special teams, touchdowns. It's, you know, weather is also a factor you have to take into account when you're betting over-unders. It's just very difficult. You know, there's too much randomness in terms of scoring touchdowns. That's the most random part about football is, you know, how many touchdowns are going to be scored, who's going to score touchdowns. So, you know, just stay away from the over-unders. When you see those seven-figure bets coming in on Super Bowl Sunday, they're never on the over-under. They're always
2: on the spread. And there's a good reason for that.
0: You to follow the money, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, And another one that kind of falls into anybody that's actually been holding on by the skin of their teeth, right, as uh, regulation expires and you're holding on to that hook on the under, well, understand that one. That's for sure. (laughs) Mine, (laughs) what mine is, uh, is it's not so much from a risk aversion standpoint and like as losing your money, but more of an emotional standpoint. But I always tell people, everybody that don't bet on your own teams, just avoid it. Um, It gets in the way. It's always, you know, regardless of if you're betting before, for them, you know you you're sure they're gonna win or you're betting against your team because they're a bunch of bums the highs are high and the lows are low so it's just safe to say keep your bias at arm's length keep you know your eye on the ball and just avoid your own teams
0: this is very good advice because bias can be a killer when it comes to betting and when it comes to fantasy We discussed this the other night on my show, Jack Knows Best, which you can catch on YouTube and Twitch every Monday night at FACT, Nonsense FF. And we had Dave Fiorella from the Fantasy Football Ironman competition on the show, and he won't draft Ravens players because he's a Ravens fan. And his opinion is, you know, if they win, I can enjoy it. I can be happy as a Ravens fan. But if they lose, then I'm not hurting fantasy and I'm not double upset. I'm not doubling down on my pain wise man it's a bit tougher this time of year to talk about prop bets you've done a great job of kind of explaining why you enjoy it but let let's kind of get into that quickly before we get into the futures because july august it's all about the future it's all about uh win totals and it's all about predictions so before we get to that let's try to save some knowledge for a couple months from now what makes a good prop bet
2: well um i mean more or less the same things that make a good play or a bad play in your fantasy lineup so you know whatever their matchup role opportunity is going to be for that given week and then comparing that against the projection that the market's giving you and trying to find the value within that um you know, just because somebody is going up against a bad defense doesn't automatically equal an over because they're going to be hit with a big line. The trick is to try to find these players in these matchups that are being over underrated and then just kind of playing against the narratives. Um, so many times we fall into these traps like we talked about earlier, and it's easier to just evaluate it from a bird's eye view. Try to find the market as a whole and find that value.
0: Michelle, do you have any uh, opposite thoughts here?
2: Uh, no opposite thoughts.
1: I mean, I'm kind of right in line with Mason there. I mean, look at the total game projections. If there's a game total that's at like 56, 57 points, and the spread is only like three points, that means Vegas, ex- Vegas is expecting both teams to score a bunch of points. So if you want to look at the prop bets, go find the player prop bets and kind of see what they're at. If, if their running back is, is right. slated at under 100 yards, maybe take, o- take the over because you know Vegas is, is expecting so many points there's going to be so many opportunities. So you know, look at all the different factors. Don't just look at this single individual prop bet, but look at everything that factors into the game, and that'll help you
2: decide what you want to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's that. You know, it's sometimes it's that third guy on the on the receiving depth chart that's, you know, getting you all that all that yardage that you need for your prop or something like that. And if you weren't, you know, eyeing that out, you're going to miss out on that opportunity, that value that was staring you in the face. Yep. True.
0: So continuing on with this kind of idea of value, we're going to compare it to the MVP. When we talk about that, it's most likely to win the MVP versus the best value for MVP. There's a big difference between the two ideas. So is it a bad idea to bet the favorite because it's a low payout when it comes to awards like MVP, Vishal?
1: Um. Yeah, I think I think it's probably in the long term is probably not a good idea to bet the favorite. I mean, usually the favorite is whoever won it the previous year, or they won it, you know, the year before or two years ago, and it's very difficult to repeat. I I would have to look it up, but it- it's been a long time since we've had repeat MVPs. You know, it- people just aren't excited to see the same thing two years in a row. Even if Mahomes put a back to back fifty touchdown seasons, he might not have won the MVP the second season because people get bored very easily. So picking the favorite is you know pretty much betting that the There's going to be a repeat MVP, and that just doesn't happen very often. So probably not the best idea to bet on the favorite. It is a
2: narrative-based award. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So that definitely is a great point. I agree. And if you look at some of the history, especially the recent history, you have guys that are much further down the list winning. You have, like, Rodgers last year. I think he was uh, plus 3,000. He was ninth um jackson was further down there when he won in 2019 mahomes even the year before that in 2018 he was pretty low down there too even Um, on the
1: board in 2018 i don't even know if i remember seeing him on there
2: i yeah i I think i have him at a pretty astronomical like three thousand five hundred right here it's like 20th i think yeah wow so a lot of books might not have even listed it with that in mind then
0: who do we have for our most likely candidate? Are we both going with Mahomes as most likely? And who is our pick for the best value at MVP?
1: Yeah, I do have Mahomes as most likely. I mean, that's an easy pick, but he's just too good. His weapons are too good. Andy Reid is too good at offense. I mean, there's just no reason to go anywhere else in terms of most likely to win. You got to take Mahomes. Uh, but in terms of best value, I have a couple players both at plus 2000 right now. Um Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray, I think, are both great shots to win MVP. You know, there's really three criteria to win MVP. One, be a quarterback. Two, put up big numbers. And three, win like 12 plus games. So, you know, Herbert and Murray clearly check, check off the first two. They're quarterbacks. They're going to put a big numbers. The real question is, can they win 12 or 13 games and, you know, be a one-seater or 2 seed in their conference and you know i think both guys have a great chance i might give a slight edge to kyler murray he plays in the easier division easier conference but both are great bets at plus 2000
2: yeah i absolutely i agree with that i have kyler murray down here at plus 2000 to win as well i think you know you have a player that's supremely talented and can put up performances reminiscent of lamar jackson's mvp campaign he you know wins in multitude of ways which is always a good aspect of like we talked about it's a narrative award so more high more eyes equals more you know, chances. Um, he's got a ton of talented weapons. They got Rondell Moore in the draft. They got A.J. Green in the free agency. Now let's see if he can resurrect. And then you got Cliff Kingsbury's air raid. You know, should not only put him in a position to succeed, but also excel. So I completely agree. And then, like we talked about with... Um, The favorite, you know, Mahomes, it's absolutely smart to take your bets, especially your bets further down the road, like me and Vishal have here, and go ahead and hedge them with the favorite. Now, is the favorite most likely to win? No, probably not. But he is the favorite for a reason. So you can turn around and if he, you know, pulls off some amazing stuff and ends up taking home that back to back, like we talked about, it's unlikely. Well, you kind of protect yourself in that event.
0: I'm very glad that both of you picked Kyler Murray to be your MVP guy. And I'm sure Steve will be thrilled as well. Cause that's what our projections are saying. They have Kyler Murray as the number one QB in fantasy. And so he's probably not a bad bet for the MVP of real life as well. With that being said, we talked about how it's a low payout for the favorite. Is it a bad idea to bet the favorite for a lot of these future bets? Like, so For the Super Bowl champions, let's say, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're the favorite. Everyone thinks they're going to repeat. They have the best odds. Is it even worth it because there isn't much money available, even if they do repeat?
1: I think so. I think when you're betting Super Bowl winners, um, it's okay to bet the favorites because it's just not likely that a random team is going to come out of complete nowhere and just win the whole thing. It happens occasionally. We saw the Giants do it. We've seen some other teams do it. But it's just not that common. Taking the favorites – win is is not a bad idea, because you know what you're getting. As long as there's no injuries, they're favorites for the re- for, for a reason. They have the best talent um, amongst all the teams, so there's no reason not to take them. So, I don't think it's a bad idea to bet favorites to win Super Bowl.
0: I'm
2: going to agree with you, because I'm biased to Tom Brady. Tampa Bay, Gronkineers, how, how can you <laughs> not love the GOAT? <laughs> He's, uh, let's see, they might be on the 5th right about now during the match. That would uh That would definitely be another big win for for old Tom there who are you taking Mason for your Super Bowl Super Bowl champion I mean I think I agree that when you look at a team like the Bucks, there's a reason they're a favorite um it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to take them but I would probably lean in a different direction um just maybe further down the list just to give you a potentially better payout with a team that might not be a team that comes out of left field, but a team that can be quality, that's been quality throughout the years, maybe a well-coached team that kind of puts it together for a run. That team that I'm seeing um, is going to be the LA Rams. I think that they're a much-improved team this year. They added Stafford after winning 10 games last year, and I think that they're on the upswing. So we'll see exactly how that pans out, but I think they have a lot going for them very very
0: good advice there and so when it comes to repeating like we said aaron Rodgers, he's not the favorite to repeat because it is so difficult and partially because we don't know where he will be playing in 2021 he could he won't he will be playing though we learned earlier today that he did not opt out he will be playing in 2021 it just where is the question Where will the reigning, defending, undisputed MVP of the world be playing in 2021, Vishal?
1: Yes, I'm a little biased on this one. I'm a Bears fan, so I'm really, really, really looking forward to him not being in the NFC North. But taking that aside, I do think Denver at plus 175 is a really good bet. They have plenty of assets that they can trade. They have so much talent on that roster. And the key component that they have is that they have a quarterback that they can send back, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, most likely Bridgewater, who they can send back and somebody who can they, they can plug in right away in week one in Green Bay. So they don't miss a step there. So, you know, I'm looking at Denver at, at plus 175.
2: I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that, Vishal. Full disclosure, everybody, I am a Broncos fan, so this is going to sound like a I'm being a homer. Yeah, that that's why I didn't <laughs> ask me first. There was, there was a reason for that. Like, so I'm over the moon with that selection. I agree, though. i um, obviously going to take my orange glasses off here um, and put my AFC championship Broncos ticket to the side here. Um, I think it's a great fit, obviously, for all the football reasons that Vishal just listed. But an even bigger reason is that his superstar actress wife, Shailene Woodley, um, lives in Boulder. Rogers has spent time here in the off season. There's rumors that there's been some maybe some meetings. That's the talk about town. Now, I cannot confirm nor deny my sources um, for fear for their safety. So we'll just keep it at that. But I definitely believe that he's going to call Denver home here.
0: Breaking news on the Important (laughs) Nonsense podcast. Wow, we've got a Denver insider that is in the ear of our very own Mason Cameron. This is, wow, I am, this This never happens. This does not happen on the Important (laughs) Nonsense show. We do not break news. We talk about old news. So I am absolutely mind blown. I'm going to need a second. So we'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. And we are back and we will be shifting our focus to your focus over the last couple of weeks. Play to win the game, and we like to make wagers on how many wins each team is going to have, who wins what game, where, and why, and how. For the first time in NFL history, every team's going to be playing 17 games. And it's weird, it's gross, but does it have people sleeping on win totals for teams? Are they being underrated because people don't remember that there's an extra game going on? I would probably have to
1: lean towards the yes. Looking at some of these numbers, they seem a tad low. It kind of feels like this uh, Vegas is still setting these over unders and thinking that there's only seven or sixteen games. So there might actually be some value this season in betting over unders because it just again, these numbers feel a tad low.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So this and this would be the only season because if there is a if there is something going on here, they're going to fix this next next year. So
2: if you there's something going on, we want to get in on it now. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's new for everyone, even odds makers. Um, You know, in that extra game, it affects a lot of strength of schedules around the league. Not many people are really peeling back the layers on exactly what that extra game is for each team. But um, I believe that it's something like an uh, interconference game and AFC teams are going to get home field advantage this year. So, you know, you you might be even seeing um, some extreme undervaluing on some of these AFC teams that could you know easily hit over that with it you know a lower level a lower tier nfc opponent um so yeah i think there's a lot of money to be made on the win totals this year for sure
0: i'm so glad that you brought up the afc first because we are going to be starting with the best division in football and we are going to be starting with the best team in football because as you know I am a homer. I don't hide it at all. I've got the purple-colored goggles for the Baltimore Ravens, and they're projected for 11 years, or 11 wins, according to Vegas this year. So, can it happen, Vishal?
1: I definitely think so. I'm definitely taking the over on the 11 wins. They made a lot of good moves over the off offseason, especially on offense. <laughs> uh, you know, they drafted a couple wide receivers, including Rashad Bateman, who can step in right away and be their number one, a key pass catcher that you know Jackson just really hasn't had over his first couple. of seasons in Baltimore so he, he could be a major addition they added a couple pieces on the offensive line including Kevin Zeitler and Alejandro Villanueva and you know their defense is always going to be good we know what Baltimore does on defense and they're returning a ton of their players so they should be you know a top 10 defense once again so I definitely like the over 11 wins for Baltimore
0: I'm so glad that you made the right decision there, Vishal. And so Mason knows that his return to the podcast relies on giving correct <laughs> answer there. What do you think, Mason? Do you agree?
2: Um, I, I will say for the good people at home, I am making this selection on my own volition. I was <laughs> not paid. I am not a paid actor. Okay, with that out of the way. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think so too. I think that, you know, the Ravens go ahead and draft out of the park again. I think that it's just a staple of what they do over there. Um, They're just so supremely talented with Lamar Jackson under center that when he's hitting and he's going and he's full speed ahead, they're hard offense to stop. And like we just talked about, that defense isn't slowing down anytime soon. Um, I think that 11 is easy or maybe not easy, but 11 is going to be extremely doable for them. I think that they even have their sights set a little bit higher. Well,
0: I know I've got my sights set a little bit (laughs) higher, and it sounds like the Cleveland Browns do as well. They had a fantastic offseason. They crushed the draft. They did really well in free agency, and they are really closing in on the Ravens as the best team in the best division. And so they're projected 4-10 wins. Have they done enough to hit that total, can they go get up to 11 wins? And can they take the AFC North crown from the Ravens, Vichal?
1: I do think they can get over 10 wins. They're going to get Odell Beckham back from injury. He's not the player he was in New York, but he's still an excellent playmaker and having him opposite Jarvis Landry. And then you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. I mean, that's just an incredible skill group in Cleveland. And then obviously on defense, they signed Jaday Van Clowney. They drafted Greg Newsom in the first round. This defense is going to be excellent. Miles Garrett, Miles still up front. He's going to wreak havoc. So I think they're definitely going to get over 10 wins. But can they catch up to Baltimore? That was going to be tough. Um, you know, I think Baker definitely made improvements last year, but is he really truly a top tier guy like Lamar? I don't know about that quite yet. Maybe one more season, and I'll and I'll be a believer. But right now, I think they're still a notch below Baltimore.
0: I would just like to point out for everyone who says that Lamar Jackson can't throw, he's not accurate, he's a running back. He completed more of his passes than Baker Mayfield and Matthew Stafford did last year, so
2: I don't know about
0: that, but whatever. Maybe we just hate Lamar for no reason at all. Maybe we should stop that. But anyways, Mason, what do you think about the Browns this year?
2: You know, I think that they're definitely up there i think they have a lot of talent on that team and 10 wins is probably within reach but like vichal just ended with there i think that it all depends on what baker can do out there um we've been you know he hasn't been a bad player by any means but we've been waiting for him to hit his stride like truly hit his stride and we haven't quite seen that yet and now i know that he's looking at getting some contract talks underway so a big season could really go a long way for them. I think that 10 is probably doable. Um, his wallet probably hopes it's doable too. But I think, yeah, I think that the Ravens just have way too much talent there at the top that they're going to be hard to catch.
0: And Lamar Jackson going to be hard to catch as well. My hope is that he signs his contract before Baker Mayfield does, because if Baker Mayfield, he's going Baker's just going to push that money up because Lamar Jackson deserves a bigger contract than Baker Mayfield. But on the opposite side of these two young ascending quarterbacks, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers and their fall from grace, which has just gone directly in hand with Ben's elbow exploding, completely disintegrating. It didn't help when they drafted a running back in round one either, but I digress. Vegas thinks it could be going either way. They've kind of hedged their bets. They've given them an eight-and-a-half win total, which is exactly 500. So which side are we taking here?
1: Yeah, I'm all out on Pittsburgh. I I just have no idea what they're doing. I'm going to go way under. I mean, they're really going to run it back with Ben Roethlisberger and not even attempt to have like a contingency plan. They re-signed Joshua Dobbs to be like their third-string quarterback. Is that their best option that they have? I mean, they're just not really doing anything worthwhile in Pittsburgh right now, especially in offense. I mean, they draft Najee Harris in the first round to run behind like the worst offensive line in football. We don't even have time to go over how many players they lost on the O line. It's just ridiculous. I don't know how Roethlisberger is going to have time back there. I don't know how, how Harris is going to find Groom. Yes, their defense is excellent. Micah Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, they have excellent players on defense. They could be number one on defense this year, but they're offended what they're doing. And the fact that they didn't even attempt to get a second quarterback to, like, groom it while Roethlisberger's on his last legs oh, whoa, just whoa. crazy to me. So Mason Rudolph doesn't get Pittsburgh. your
0: gears going, Vishal.
1: If he's still in the league, I mean, what is going on here?
0: He, he is, and he's the backup in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not good mason i assume by your laughter that you jack he has
2: a family he has a family jack come on now <laughs> no i totally do agree i think that they're gonna run into quite a few brick walls there on offense um you know i'm not even sure off the top of my head what ben's air yards per attempt was last year when he played it, it He's just, like you said, his elbow's destroyed. They have no contingency plan back there. I'd be surprised if he makes it all 17. Um, Their defense is really, really, really good. And I think that they can, you know, win quite a few games to get near here, but it's going to come down to the fact that they're not putting any points on the board and more games are closer than they should be. And they're going to have a tough time going. Yeah, and as Vishal said,
0: don't have time to count every offensive lineman they lost but it was all of them they have no starters right. returning to the same position next year and it is just it's terrible it's absolutely terrible and at least the Bengals in they at least tried to upgrade the offensive line they tried they should they didn't take Penny Sewell but they paid Riley Reef. they upgraded Ra- Jackson Carmen in the second round and they they're trying to help Joe Burrow they're, they could do better but they're at least trying unlike the Steelers and so Vegas has them at a paltry 6.5 win total in Joe Burrow's second year. And they get to seven wins? And can they finish better than the Steelers in the process?
1: I think it's going to be close, but I think they're going to fall just short. Um, I definitely like some of the moves they made. Jamar Chase could be an elite receiver in this league. They signed Trey Hendrickson, one of the best pass rushers in free agency, to add to a group that was you know, not very good, to say the least, in Cincinnati last year. So they have some pieces. I really like Burrow. he can de- definitely has the talent to be, you know a top-tier quarterback. Um, but overall, I think they're just missing a little bit. Yes, they did improve the offensive line, but it's still not very good. Uh, passing on Penn so well could, you know, be a big disaster when we look back in a couple of years. And their defense really just doesn't have enough playmakers for me to feel comfortable going up, up against Lamar and Baker twice a year. So, you know, I think they're the going to fall just a little short. So I'll take the under on the six and a half.
0: And I can't fault you for that for at all. I do think the Bengals are a year away, but I've been saying it for years. And I don't, I don't know how far in advance you can put prop bets out there. But Joe Burrow by 20, MVP by 2023 at the latest. If you can bet it, do it because it's happening. Jason, thoughts?
2: Hey, I like it. I like it. You should be doing the the picks here for us, Jack. You have got the gold. Um, I just like to say stuff. <laughs> I throw spaghetti at the wall and hope it sticks. You got a messy kitchen. So we, um, I think so. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna teeter a little on the other side there. I think that they can hit seven. I don't think that they're going to like get much further than that. But I think that. I mean, we talked about Pene Sewell, and obviously this was the big story of their draft was Jamar Chase versus Pene Sewell. And I think when you look at it, like, absolutely, Pene Sewell is going to be a blue-chip player. Um, they're g- he's going to be a great player in this league. But I also think Jamar Chase is going to be. And when I look at that roster and who they have at tackle, um, I think they have some pieces that, that they're going to be... I think they're going to be better than they were last year on the offensive line, and that's going to equate to... Joe Burrow having more success in his second year. Now, did they already ruin him by tearing his knee in year one? I guess we'll find out. But, uh, if he's good to go, I mean, I'm I'm sure that we'll see. And I think that he can hit it. So, seven, I think is doable. Not much more than that, though.
0: I believe in Joe Burrow. I absolutely do. Like, ever since we saw that picture of him smoking that cigar in the locker room <laughs> for the LSU win, Legend. That, that did it for me. That sold it for me. And I'm sure everyone had a selling moment on Aaron Rodgers as well. And with that, we're going to be heading up to the frozen tundra of Lambeau. After back to back 13 and three seasons as a team, Vegas now has the Packers at 10 and a half wins. That has to be a smash over if you think Aaron Rodgers stays. But with the two of you, you think he's leaving. So it has to be a smash under if Jordan Love is under center. No?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say absolutely. This number is absolutely unreachable with Jordan Love under center in what is essentially his first year. And if his camps to date have anything to say about that, it's going to be a rough ride and a rough transition for him. I mean, I wish the kid the best. Um, He came into possibly the worst situation he could have come into in the entire league, and I feel for him. But I think he's going to have a long, long road if he's going to be asked to... to start for this team in 2021. I think that's an immediate under. Um, The reason the number is so high though is because there is some question. So I tend to stay a little bit away from that. And when Rogers leaves, the number is definitely gonna plummet. So if you're like me and Vishal and you really, really have some conviction that he's gonna be playing in somewhere else, (coughs) Denver, then I would go ahead and hit that under right now. Be in a really good place and make that number by a mile.
0: I really didn't think after the Jay Cutler, Kyle Orton fan that the Bears and Broncos fans would ever have something to agree on, but here we are, and (laughs) Shaw, you're taking that under too, I I imagine.
1: Yeah, you have to. I mean, if they're really going to throw Jordan Love out there week one, I mean, this can't go very well. If they really thought highly of Jordan Love, then they probably would have moved on from Rodgers already and taken what they could have gotten before the draft, which probably would have included a first-round pick. But the fact that they did it and they're holding out, I mean, I don't think that says
0: a lot or says very highly about Jordan Love. So I'll take the under. So the Packers are the only team Vegas has with double-digit wins. The Vikings are coming in second with nine wins right now. Can they crack the double digits and pass the Packers as the NFC North champions if Jordan Love is the starter, Mason? You know,
2: i it's a hard number to hit right here. I think that the team as a whole, the Vikings, the roster had a lot of turnover, but they did a pretty good job of replacing the quality vets that they lost with some, you know, manageable talent to replace those spots. So I think that they the roster is looking decently well. With a little motivation, not having Rodgers looking across the division at them. I think that's the jolt they need to hit that over and win this division. Um, They are who I would say would win the division if Rodgers does leave. So yes, I would absolutely uh, jam the over there. But it is a little hesitant. I don't know that I would put a lot of units on that play. But if you absolutely need the picks, I would hit that over. And I'm sure Vishal is not happy to hear that as a Bears fan.
1: I'm not happy, but I can't totally disagree. Uh, I think that offense is very good. Justin Jefferson was just unbelievable last year. You still have Thielen. You still have Dalvin Cook. And, you know, I think Cousins is just good enough to get you 10 or 11 wins uh, for that team. The main question is going to be that defense. I think uh, Zimmer said last year that that was the worst defense he's ever coached in the NFL. It was really, really bad, and, you know, they made some improvements, so if they can just take a little step forward,
0: I think 10-11 wins is doable for Minnesota. Finally, we are going to get to your lovely, lovely Bears, where Ryan Pace, the GM, and Matt Nagy, the head coach, are fighting for their jobs in Chicago. They won't be back unless the Bears make a strong run this season, which is why they drafted Justin Fields, and it's also why Andy Dalton is going to have a very short leash. That all being said, though, Vegas has no faith in this run happening. They've put the over-under at seven and a half. Which side are you taking, Mason?
2: You know, I am, I'm I'm going to step on Vishal's toes like right off the bat here and just pull the Band-Aid. I'm thinking under, and it's not that they don't have great pieces and not that they didn't draft well, because I think they had one of my favorite drafts, but I think that not starting fields is going to come back to bite them. Every game that they don't, put him in is another game that they're going to struggle to put points onto the board. Um, frankly, I see the value to sitting some quarterbacks early, but a guy of Justin Fields status mentally, I'd say probably isn't a great idea. He scored really highly um, in his memory tests uh, at the, what was it? The medical combine, I believe he's runs a fairly, fairly similar offense. Uh, in Ohio State, then he's going to be running with Matt Nagy. I think that they really, really would be smart to start him as early as possible, and if they maybe get him in there by week you know, three or four, I think they can hit this number, but I don't have faith in them pulling the right move right off the bat, and I think that they might get, end up under because of it. Shaw, you can't be happy with that at all.
1: No, but I do know one thing is that, you know, I'm not going to be totally focused on 2021. You know, this is not a make or break year anymore. With the drafting of Fields, there's a lot of, you know, these guys bought themselves a little time. And beyond 2021, there's a lot of good things that are going to happen for this team with Fields under center. So, um, yeah, this is it's tough if you look at just 2021. I mean, this was an 8-8 eight and eight team with Trubisky and Nick Folds. So even if Dalton starts a lot of games, I mean, you can't get worse than what we had last year. So eight or nine wins does seem doable, but they did lose some stuff on defense. Uh, Kyle Fuller got cut. Um, You know, Eddie Goldman might not play this year. There's talk about him retiring. And then, you know, Robert Quinn was a disaster last year opposite Khalil Mack. And who knows if he sells anything left in the tank. So this is not the defense of 2018 where they just ran over everybody. And they're going to give up some points. And, you know, seven and a half seems about right. But, you know, eight or nine seems doable. It's okay whichever way you go, though.
2: Yeah, that's fair to say. I think I, I think I totally agree. I just, it's, it's tough to see like a Andy Dalton really carrying the load offensively for them. Not that Andy's a horrible player, but I think that I just see Justin Fields in such a bright light that, right? It's unappealing. Absolutely unappealing. Twenty
1: twenty two Super Bowl champs, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I'll
2: see you there. We'll see you there, V.
1: Yeah,
0: I am on Team. J-F-F-O-B. Justin effing fields or bust, <laughs> in my opinion. As for the Lions, they're talking about first overall pick or bust. No team we're going to talk about today has a lower projected win total than the Detroit Lions. They are g- going at five right now. Consensus is it's the Texans, Lions competing to draft Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, or whoever takes a jump. From the college ranks, we don't know who that's going to be the first overall pick, but we know it's going to be a quarterback and we know it's going to be to the Texans or the Lions. So does that mean five wins is too many for Detroit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no easy way to say this. And our guy Matt over on the dynasty team is absolutely going to hate me. I guess I'm stepping on a lot of toes today. But yeah, absolutely not is an unreachable number for them. I have a hard time finding even three winnable games on their schedule. They were a bad team. They got ostensibly worse. Um, Stafford's gone. They're replacing him with Goff. The entire receiving core is different. Galladay's in New York. Um, I can't remember where our IN fan favorite Marvin Jones went. Um, he went to the Jaguars. Correct. Right, right. So, you know, they just lost a lot of that talent on that receiving core. Now, if Goff had gotten even a resemblance of what this roster was last year. Maybe they'd have, have a chance to hit this number. But I don't see them getting very close to this number at all. I think that they're probably a shoe in for that first pick.
0: Well you're probably a big Lions fan because they give the Bears so many free wins, correct? So you're probably happy to hear all this?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy. This is just not gonna be a very good team next year. I mean if McVeigh gave up on golf, I think that says a lot about him and how much how talented he is, so there's just not a lot going on for them. Again, like I said, there's no receivers. There's, there's just nothing there. There's nothing on defense. Akuta kind of already feels like a bust, even though it's been less than, you know, a year since he played. But it just doesn't look good, good over there in Detroit.
0: They have an offensive line and absolutely nothing else. So I completely agree. I think that the Lions are in the suck for Spencer Howell. Or sorry, suck for Spencer Rattler, suck for Sam Howell. There you go.
2: Yeah. With a little combo, a little Spencer Howell action. I like that.
0: <laughs> they're, they're, the Lions are trying to suck for someone. <laughs> they want to draft a quarterback. They want to be bad. But we can't say the same about any of the teams in the AFC East. Not one of them will be happy to go 1-16. We've got the Bills, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. They all probably think they can win the division, but it's Buffalo that's the favorite at 10.5 wins. Should they be the favorite, though, and can they get that 11th win?
1: Absolutely, they should be the favorite, and this number really just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. We talked a little earlier about how some of these numbers seem a tad low with the extra game this year. And this is kind of the prime example. Even if this was a 16-game season, I would hammer the over. The fact that we're adding a, an extra game and it's still at 10 and a half, it just doesn't really make too much sense. Because in order for this bet to lose, they would Bills would have to lose seven games this year. They'd have to go 10 and seven or worse. I just don't see how that's going to happen. I mean, this is an unbelievable team. They're returning pretty much everybody. Their only change of note is replacing Josh or John Brown with Emmanuel Sanders, which could be an upgrade in some people's eyes. This is just going to be a great team. Again, no, assuming no injuries, Josh Allen should have another big year. Stephon Diggs should have another big year. This is a very solid defense. Uh, I just don't see how this goes under. And, uh, yeah, give me the Bills, all of the Bills.
0: And that's the biggest key is it's seven losses this year instead of six. That's a lot of losses for a team like the Bills
2: to suffer. So, Mason, any disagreements here? No, yeah, absolutely. That's free money. Go ahead and take that to the bank and send Vishal your thank you letter later. Oh, I will be. I will give
0: him a thank you letter now. I will give him a thank you letter later. I will give him a thank you letter anytime because he 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 is making me money as are you Mason. And so Pats and Dolphins they're tied up with nine wins. They're both hoping to make us money by going over that, getting that 10th win. Both have good defenses, both have amazing secondaries. Both need a QB to step up to get it done. So can Cam Newton slash Mac Jones get the Patriots to 10 wins? Can Tua get the Dolphins to 10 wins? Can all of these things happen? And who ends up finishing better?
1: Yeah, these are two of the more tricky teams that I've looked at so far this offseason. You know, we started New England. It's unclear what their plan is with Mac Jones. There's a chance he gets sit the whole season if Cam Newton plays reasonably well. And, you know, Newton was... You know, let's just say it. he struggled last year and there's a lot of reasons for it. You know, there was a pandemic off season last year. He didn't have a chance to get in there and learn the playbook, but, you know, he might also just kind of not be good anymore. He's he doesn't, The ball does not look clean coming out of his hand. He overthrows guys a lot. His footwork isn't very good. And there's just not a lot of talent on that offense. I mean, their best playmakers are going to be their tight ends with Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. And Henry can never even stay on the field. I mean, He doesn't have a lot to work with. He has a very good offensive line, and the defense should be very good. They're getting a couple players back who opted out last year, including Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower. So I expect the defense to bounce back and be you know, solid like they were two years ago. But I just don't see how they're going to score points on offense. I mean, Newton can only rush for so many yards and so many touchdowns himself. He needs some help, and I don't know where he's going to get it from. So I might just – go a little bit under on uh, their
2: total this year. I agree. I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I think that when you look at it, I don't know that Cam Newton's shoulder has ever gotten right from surgery. He looks like he really labors solving the ball deep. Uh, we talked about his sloppy footwork, which has kind of been a staple of his game, even when he won an MVP. Um, he was benched a number of times last year. I think that they're going to probably end up finding him on the bench at some point next year too and they're gonna get mac jones in there and i don't think he gives the job back now i like mac i think he's just gonna take some time to get their playbook under wraps because it's definitely a you know a wordy sob so uh i think that they're gonna struggle a little bit they're gonna have that trouble getting over the hump um And I think that even Nikhil Harry just had requested a trade, I believe. So I think they're losing even more weapons by the day. That's not a good outlook for them.
0: I mean, if you call Nikhil
2: Harry a weapon... I was just going to say, can (laughs) you call him a weapon? I don't know about that. I I think sorry guys. traded
0: for a a bag of rocks at this point.
2: A camp body. You're right, okay. If anybody needs an extra camp body, I guess Nikhil Harry's looking for work.
0: Hey, maybe the Texans will call him up and trade him for (laughs) a 7th round pick. There we go. That's
2: tanking in style. Oh, oh
0: boy. But it's bad, and the Jets are bad too, but they aren't as bad as last year. Bob Sala, Robert Sala, he's heavily invested in the defensive line, and Zach Wilson hasn't been ruined by Adam Gase just yet. So there's promise, which is why Vegas has the Jets at 6 wins, but can they do it?
1: Yeah, I'm surprisingly optimistic on the Jets more so than I thought I would be just looking through what they got going, especially on offense. You know, Zach Wilson, it was only one year in BYU when it was against the greatest competition, but man, can he throw the football? He can make every throw you can ask for, and it just you know he has a chance to really be that guy that the Jets have been looking for for a long time. I, Elijah Moore can step in right away and be their number one receiver. They got Corey Davis. They have a couple nice weapons. Uh, Michael Carter is an Pretty good back for where they got him from. He can definitely be a major contributor. Overall, I you know this offense looks really good. Don't be surprised to see them put up a couple points or a lot of points this year. Uh, but obviously their downfall is going to be their defense. Even with Sala coming in with his resume from San Francisco and what he did with that defense, he just doesn't have the same pieces here in New York. These guys just aren't very talented. And I think it's going to be a year or two before they're able to rebuild that side of the ball and turn this team into a, True playoff contender, but it's not going to be this year, so I'm going to take the under
2: Mason, are you on the Zach Wilson bandwagon? Yeah, you know, not to give you um too much hype to Zach Wilson, but yes, I think that when we look at quarterbacks as a whole, I think that you can you know equate a big jump in production. Now we're obviously looking at a big jump in production from their last year's win total to a potential six this year. Um, But I think that they can hit that over. I really like the offense. I know that uh, Vishal definitely just talked about the defensive uh, struggles and the holes that they're going to have over there. I think that when it really comes down to it, it's going to be a little tough for Zach Wilson to transition into the game. But I think that when he, does get there and they're really hitting strides they have those pieces to make it happen so it's really just up to zach wilson to do what he does or to have new york miss on another one it's just kind of how it goes we'll close out
0: the vi- divisional talk with the worst division we've talked about today they say you should end on a high note but i'm a pessimist naturally i think it's dumb to decide that so we're gonna end on a sour note first of all How about them Cowboys? Dak is back and healthy. He's going to win Comeback Player of the Year, and he might win MVP. Just ask any Dallas Cowboys fan. This is their year, and it'll help if you can top the 9.5 wins that Vegas has set for Dallas. Can it happen, or will Dallas Cowboys fans be heartbroken yet again?
2: Well, Jack, you know, if there's a Dallas fan in there forcing you to say these things, you can always, you know tap out some morris code and we can send some help okay (laughs) no (laughs) but uh i think i agree right there i think nine and a half is another one of these numbers that's a little on the low side i know that they only won um i think it was six games last year they struggled mightily on defense they had no footing on offense and it was a they were on the struggle bus the entire time I think getting Dak back is going to be huge, huge for this team because obviously right before getting hurt, he was on a tear and on an absolute elite level um, and continue on that pace. He could have been breaking some records. So I think that if you can see that offense really forcing the issue, I, they're going to be a tough team to beat, especially in that division. That division is just not good top to bottom. Um, now there's some great players and some great units and some good performances, but as by and large, they've been pretty bad as a whole since for the last shoot five ten years, maybe. So I think that when you see this offense come together, they're going to be beaten up on the rest of this division. So absolutely over.
0: Yeah, it is a terrible, terrible division. And 10 wins is absolutely likely. But are you also on the DAC train, Vishal? Or do you think the Cowboys can win the division?
1: Yeah, I definitely think they can win the division. I think it will come down to either Dallas or Washington to win the division. And either it's going to be Dallas's offense or Washington's defense. Um, And I could definitely see, you know, Dallas taking the lead there. They just have so many weapons on offense. Even if Zeke isn't what he was when he first came into the league, he's still good enough to put up points and you know put up all the stats that you want Um, yeah their defense isn't great but look who they're going to go up against six times this season twice against Ryan Fitzpatrick twice against Daniel Jones twice against Jalen Hurts I mean do they really scare you that much even if they give up 20-30 points Dallas can outscore them pretty easily with all the weapons that they have so yeah I agree I'll take the over for for Dallas so
0: 10 plus wins for the Dallas Cowboys which would be it, it would be funny to see because then they would get bounced early in the playoffs and Cowboys fans' hearts would be broken again. And it would just be so joyful. I love seeing Cowboys fans' hopes get raised and then absolutely <laughs> crushed. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing.
2: Oh, that's beautiful, Jack. Yeah, the uh, most spoken term in Dallas-Fort Worth area in the offseason months is definitely this is our year. It's the Cowboys' year.
0: It's always the Cowboys' year, but... This year, a lot of people in Washington think it's their year instead. We've got a strength on a strength, the offense versus the defense. Washington's defensive line is just so good, led by Chase Young. They're set at eight wins. Is that too low for Washington right now with that defense, or is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to fail to become Fitzmagic in on the
2: Eastern Seaboard. No, I think that it's a. I think that is another number that might be a little on the low side. Now, um, they're a team that's primarily built off that defense, so defensive uh, efficiency is a little hard to peg year to year, but I think they're still going to be competing at a pretty high level. They are returning a lot of pieces. They even added a pretty elite piece in Jamon Davis, if I do say so myself. Um, loved watching that kid's tape in the draft process. So I think that they have a lot on that defense. It can carry them. And then I think when you really look at it, I love Fitzmagic. magic, you know, I think touchdown Jesus is worth that extra, you know, handful of wins that they're going to need to get over this eight or nine, you know, 10 mark that I think that they can reach. So yeah, absolutely. And like Vishal touched on earlier, it's a uh, Dallas 10, um, division right now and it's going to come down to dallas's offense first Washington's defense and when we watch that matchup towards the end of the season it's going to probably be some pretty good tv
0: i'm not sure what weeks they face but that wouldn't it just be beautiful to see those two teams play oh, for the division
2: so so wonderful that'd be must watch
0: that would be absolute must watch television unlike the new york giants who are kind of hoping beyond hope that Daniel Jones can make a little Josh Allen-esque leap? I don't think so. I'm not sold. I think Danny Dimes is more of a Mitchell Trubisky-level quarterback. But at the very least, they've upgraded the supporting cast around him. So with that, can he get the Giants to top the seven wins that Vegas has for him?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that seven is a decent spot for them. Now, when I wrote them up a couple weeks ago, it was a pretty much a piece on on Danny Dimes. And if he can step up to the plate and make this happen. Now, frankly, I don't think that he's a great quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky is an interesting comparison there. I I hope for my pick that that's probably not the case, but this is the big make or break year for him. When they added pieces, you know, like Galladay, um, they took Carderius Tony out of the draft. So they have some offensive pieces, even, you know, Sterling Shepard, um, Darius Slayton. They were, they were pretty stacked on offense already. So if Danny Dimes can't figure it out with this team, then there's not really going to be much hope for him. I think that he can put some stuff together though and hold on to the football and, and maybe make seven, eight wins happen. I don't think they're much further than that, but their defense is good enough to keep them in games that. They should have the firepower on offense to go ahead and, you know, make it competitive.
0: you a Danny Dimes believer there,
1: Vishal? Not really. I mean, he'll have a couple moments where he'll make some nice throws or he'll make a couple nice runs like we saw last year. Um, but overall, there's just not, not enough consistency. Trip, <laughs> <laughs> he might have tripped, but he made it a long way before he trips. So I'll give him credit <laughs> on that one. It, it was a long way. Yes. I mean, again, he has, he has flashes, but overall, there's just not really that much consistency um new york's gonna get saquon back this year so hopefully he can help out he's incredible but i i don't know i might just stay away from this one this one was a little tough i I don't really believe in danny dimes but seven wins is a little low um overall again with the extra game so yeah yeah, this might just be a stay away for me
2: that was a loaded question jack with the mitchell trubisky comparison i had to do it (laughs) (laughs) right Hey, you know well, what? Let's the give him Church some is- credit.
1: MVP Mitchell Trubisky, right? Can we say that from now on? There we go. That's he, right.
0: The uh, <laughs> the Nickelodeon, the most Nickelodeon valuable <laughs> most
1: valuable player in a loss.
0: <sighs> the best award that you can possibly get. It's just oh, just it's completely who, who wins- summer.
2: Who wins the MVP this year <laughs> is the question.
0: Danny Dimes, it's gonna be Danny Dimes. It's, it's destiny.
2: Called. It's destiny. I'll see you when we play or when they play, Jack, and and we'll come back to this one.
0: Let's go, and we'll close things out with the least of the East, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are trying so hard to not rebuild. They're hoping to reload with Jalen Hurts this year and not rebuild for 2022 with another quarterback. Market's not
2: so confident in them though, putting them at six and a half wins. How does this play out? I mean, I don't, the market shouldn't be confident in them and you shouldn't either. The public shouldn't be confident in them. The roster just has too many holes. Now I'd love an addition, um, like Devonte Smith to that offense for Jalen Hurts to actually have some chance of succeeding at the NFL level. Um, but I think that that def that defense is just going to be way too porous and way too generous. Um, they're going to have a tough time with their in-division offensive opponents, which we've already talked about are not great. I think they're going to have trouble with anybody. They play out of division. Um, they face some, some tough quarterbacks. I think that six and a half is even a bit pushing it. Um, I would go a little bit lower. They might be picking in to the top five this year.
0: Yeah, it's it's a not a good roster around Jalen Hurts, but I think that does lead to fantasy value for Hurts. Am I
2: wrong, Vishal? No,
0: you
1: can definitely be right. Um, this is also very confusing, um, this number, mainly because of Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts and Tua Viola are two of the most confusing players heading into the season. I just don't know what to make of either of them. I mean, we saw some good things with Hurts in his limited time last year, and like you said, he was a viable fantasy option for a lot of people for the last few games, but it feels like people are just kind of way out on him and don't think it's going to pan out so much this year. I just have no idea what to make of him, so I just have no idea what to make of this number and this team overall. Again, just probably give me another stay away from
2: me. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to peg if he's going to be that guy that carries, like, because he could. He could be that player that steps up and carries a roster and makes that roster look way better, and we all right. love him um it's just those are definitely one of those things to be seen like you said jack i think that that carries that value in fantasy because you know he's going to have to beat teams by with his legs he's going to have to try to beat teams with his arm and a lot is going to come down to him so uh let's hope that let's hope that they keep him upright let's hope that you know he sees a lot of time on the field because he's going to be a fun player to watch and i'd like to see him compete you know well into the future That's always the thing is
0: fun to watch is such a good thing in the NFL. It doesn't matter if things work out. It's all about fun at the end of the day. And I had a lot of fun today. We talked about a lot. I learned so much and we'll get you out of here with this. We'll get you to plug your pluggables on your way out. Say anything you have to say to your millions and millions of fans that you have won over on this podcast. So Vishal, once again, who are you and what is your number one bet for 2021?
1: Yes, I'm Vishal Gupta. I'm part of the betting team. Catch my articles on importantnonsense.com. You can catch everything I write over there. And my number one bet, we already went over it, but I guess I just have to repeat it. Take the over 10.5 for the Buffalo Bills. That number is way too low. They're going to definitely smash that over. They could get to 13, 14 wins, no problem. Take the over on the Buffalo Bills.
0: Bills Mafia is going to be thrilled when they hear that. Jason, thank you for joining me as well. Any parting words for all of your fans as well? And what is your number one bet?
2: For all the good people of Buffalo, please hide your tables before making your selections. Um, I am Mason Cameron. I appreciate you having me on, Jack. I feel so much more important here than I do in my regular life, so I'm going to be back here all the time. Um, I am at football underscore Mace on Twitter. You can go and yell at me there. And my final bet, my number one bet is going to be a good vibe juju to send Aaron Rodgers to Denver into the air. Yes, let's do it. So everybody go to your your local book. Go ahead and pick that ticket out. Tell them that Mason sent you. And I, I like all sorts of gifts, and you can send them my way.
0: Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me here tonight. And that's going to do it from us here on the Betting Bonanza episode of the Important Nonsense Podcast. As always, I've been your host at Javanaugh 87 Jack Kavanaugh, and you can find all the work that myself, these two brilliant individuals, and a slew of other fantabulous contributors on the daily overallimportantnonsense.com and on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube at NonsenseFF. Until then, remember that you are awesome, you are important, so don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!